All right. Good weekend morning, everybody. Welcome into the Wealth Guardians Radio Show. This is Doug Ray and Bryce Payne coming at you again on uh, this uh, this weekend in the uh, end of January. And it's looking like a end of January out there. It has not been the... Uh, the ungloomiest of weekends or weeks that we have had recently. It's looking pretty gray. And yeah, I can't believe we've got January in the books already. Yeah, already done. This is amazing. <laughs> and uh, you know what that means, Doug? When January is in the books, it means that the Super Bowl is only a couple yes, of weeks away. Yes, yes, it And does. folks, if, if you've listened to this show before, you know Doug, aside from being a Panthers fan, is a Green Bay Packers fan. And he and I were really uh, pulling for the Packers, uh, maybe for slightly different reasons, though, Doug. You were pulling for the Packers because that is your team. Uh, While I've never had anything against the Packers, I certainly have something against seeing the same person playing (laughs) in the Super Bowl year after year after decade. It's really decade after decade now. And I I was really not wanting to see another Tom Brady Super Bowl, and doggone it. If that man does not prove me wrong, that he is really timeless and uh, and and good at what he does. So I'm certainly going to keep my fingers crossed for KC. And what about you? Are you staying true to the NFC, or are you going to root against anybody who no, beats you? No, I'm going to go with Kansas City. Okay. Yeah. Well. As much as I want to see Green Bay in the Super Bowl, I you got to tip your hat to Tom Brady. Yeah, absolutely, you know. absolutely. Yeah. Well, we don't always agree on everything, Doug, but we'll agree on that. So yeah. uh, fingers yeah. crossed for that. Doug, we are going to be, uh, when we get started here in the show, we're going to be talking about uh, a financial dictionary, but let's go ahead and give our tip of the hat and our uh, proud salute to the men and women of our armed forces out there or any anybody who puts on a uniform and serves for the greater good of this country. Uh, folks, we thank you. We appreciate you. And uh, Godspeed. Yep. And to the families out there as well. And Doug, you served in the Navy, so thank you for your time as well. And, uh, okay, well, let's go ahead and get started. Financial Dictionary. What we're going to do here in the first segment, Doug, is discuss terms and uh, let people know what it is that these, when they hear these terms out there in the world of finance, what they are. So yeah. let's, let's... You know, a lot of times uh, people hear these terms. A lot of it's alphabet soup. Yeah. You know, like our designations that are after our name. And folks don't know what that is, so we thought we'd take a bit of time out, you know, every once in a while to... Kind of do a little uh, financial uh, education sure. on, on terms. Very good. And this first one is one of those alphabet soups, uh, mm-hmm. ESA. So that is an educational savings account, most commonly referred to as the Coverdale. And the Coverdale was before uh, the 529 plans. Right. In fact, the 529, I think, is pretty close to obsoleting the Coverdales. Even when I got started in the business 10 years ago and I was learning things 11 years ago, it was going out of style then, the cover yeah, down. It, it was kind of unofficially known as the education IRA. IRA, yeah. Because, you know, it was a tax-deductible contribution, just like an IRA. It would grow uh, tax-free or deferred uh, if used for education for somebody uh, younger than 30, then it would be a tax-free growth that you could access. If you didn't use it and the ex-student or whatever was over 30, then when they access the money, then that's when taxes and even penalties were due on it. Just like tapping your IRA before you're 59 and a half. And it was also limited in the amount of uh, contributions every mm. year you could put in, a, kind of like an IRA. 529 essentially isn't. Yeah, right. And, and now 529 
You can even use that for uh, K through 12. You can now. That's new in the last couple of years. But primarily that is what people say for when they have kids and they want to start saving for their kids' uh, college education. Or now it doesn't have to be college education. You start putting money into the 529. And like you said, not a lot of limitations to how much you can put in there on a yearly basis. It's a pretty nice way. And plus it's transferable. Say that your your child gets all scholarships and don't need it. It can be passed on to any blood essentially any blood immediate blood relative. Mm-hmm. So all right. So that's the ESA, folks. Uh, if you uh, if you are interested in saving for your child's uh, education, you probably want to look into five twenty nine accounts. Doug, the next one we're going to talk about are covered calls. Now, you have a long history of trading, much more so than I do. Talk to us about what covered calls are. Is that when you put a cloth or a handkerchief over the phone when you call somebody? I used to do that. <laughs> the job before this one. So a covered call is, is essentially it's, it's a way to create income off of a stock portfolio. Let's say, for example, you owned 1,000 shares of uh, – Oh, you, you you name a stock, Apple, Apple or UPS, whatever the whatever it is. All these companies, especially the big name companies, uh, have call options. And since 2010, we've been fortunate enough to have what's called weekly options. It used to be the standard options; they would uh, mature monthly, hmm. but now they mature weekly. So essentially, think about this. Let's say you had a thousand shares of Apple stock. Good on you if you do. <laughs> so you could create a situation where you're selling a call option, and let's say that thousand shares, your option was say five dollars. So what you would do is you would sell ten calls because one call option is equal to a hundred shares. So if you had a thousand shares, you could sell ten calls at $5, so that would actually net you every single week, if you did this, about $5,000, It just in income. What's the drawback, though? I mean, there's always, well, a, there's there's, always a trade-off. Well, there's always a drawback because, uh, you know, the stock uh, could appreciate, and you might get your position called away, but then there's always a way to cover that. You can just buy it back and then resell an- another one that's higher out of the money than, than that. But, uh, you know, covered call options is one of the safest option strategies. Hmm. Uh, I, always, I learned years and years and years ago that 90% of people who buy options lose their money. Is that right? It's the sellers that make the money. Make the money, okay. And in the, in the reverse uh, strategy is selling puts. Right. So you can sell a put and have it covered by a cash position in the account. Let's say you liked Apple stock, you wanted to own Apple stock, you could sell a put and hope that stock got put to you. That would give you the stock at a little bit of a discount. So there's a lot of not, a lot of neat strategies with with these options. Yeah, there are there are and like I said, you you've been doing that for years. That's how essentially you got started in the business with one of the big firms was doing that or helping other helping clients do that and that's not exactly what we're about now though if somebody in retirement has some extra fund money which a lot of our clients do you can help them out with a little bit of well, instructions be, be on how to do that. To, happy to teach our clients how to how to do it. Absolutely, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. Not necessarily what we recommend is the uh, the bulk strategy of of the main part of your portfolio when you're in retirement. Yeah, it's definitely for a smaller percentage of your account. Okay, good call. Literally, uh, let's go into the next one: quantitative easing. Oh, everybody so probably has heard that one a talk, time or two. Talk about the Fed here, Doug. I think that all started back in two thousand and eight when. Uh, mm-hmm. 
markets went into the toilet, the economy went in the toilet, mortgages were upside down, and uh, the Fed started printing money left and right, try to keep the economy moving forward. That was the first time I heard of that term. Was that when it first was quantitative easing? I think it might have been, uh, because we had QE1, QE2, all these other QEs, and remember the cash for clunkers deal? Yes, I took advantage of that, actually. Did you? That was quantitative. I'll never forget doing the radio show back in those days, Saturday mornings. It was live back then. And looking at the usdebtclock.org yes. and talking about how much debt our country was in. It was only $10 trillion then. Yeah. <laughs> it's nearly $30 trillion That's now. one bill now. That's just one swipe of the pen for Congress these days. It's nearly $30 trillion, all of quantitative easing. Do you know there's been no government, no human being, no person, period, in the history of mankind that's ever been able to pay that kind of money back. Well, yeah. That's, <laughs> you're talking $10 trillion. It's no, nobody's paying that back. $30 trillion. $30 trillion now, but yeah, okay. Ugh. So quantitative easing was basically the federal government's way of boosting the economy. Exactly. Lowering, lowering interest rates so when banks or people borrow money, it doesn't cost them as much to borrow money, which just puts more money into circulation, allows people to keep buying stuff, and uh, for all intents and purposes, allows us to keep living on credit. Now, before we get into the next one, I just want to mention real quickly that this coming Thursday night, February the 4th at 6.30, we're going to do a taxes in retirement workshop. You know, we've got a new administration in town now. There's going to be changes in the tax code. I'll be talking about that. Uh, So you want to sign up. We're limited on our seating. You know, we can only have 10 of you wonderful folks come. It's going to be 6.30 this Thursday evening. That's February 4th. It's going to be in the Broyhill in Clemens. Uh, so call us at 336-391-3409, or now you can go online at thewealthguardians.com, go to the events tab, and you can register right there. 336-391-3409. Okay, very good. Doug, we did that uh, this last week, and it went well, so we're going to keep going into into this upcoming week as well. Yep. Let's uh, do one more here real quick. Yeah, real quick, because you got a trivia question we to get do. to. We do. All right, let's talk about uh, blue chip stock, Doug. When somebody hears oh, blue sure. chip stock, what does that mean? You know, that's the big, old, uh, been-around household name stock, pays a dividend year after year. You know, companies like Merck and Dow. Johnson and uh, Johnson. Johnson and Johnson. Chevron. IBM. Yes, all of those kinds of companies. Any company that you could basically name off the top of your head is a blue chip company. Doug, why do they call them blue chip? Do you know where that term comes from? Mm, you tell me. Oh, I don't know. That was that was not the trivia question. That was just <laughs> me asking you uh, straight up, where, where does the term blue chip come from? I'm not sure. It must be a poker game. Yeah, I bet it is. Yeah. I bet it's something to do with, uh, with the, uh, the gambling table. Yep. All right, folks. Well, that is our uh, first segment here, the Financial Dictionary. As you know, we go into the uh, second segment with a trivia question. So, Doug, here is our trivia question. We're going to move back into world affairs here, a step away from last week where we talked about pop culture. January 10th, 1920, 101 years ago, this predecessor to the United Nations was first assembled. January 10th, 1920, the predecessor to the United Nations was first assembled. Folks, we're going to take a quick break here, but uh, knock on your old noggin there and see if you can come up with the answer on that and stick around through the break and we'll give you the answer when we come back. And welcome back to the Wealth Guardians radio show. Thank you for sticking around through the break for us, folks. If you don't know who we are 
and you are five to seven years from retirement, well, then let me share something with you. We are the Wealth Guardians Radio Show, and we want to help you confirm that you are making the best decisions for retirement. And we offer a no cost, no obligation, second review of your portfolio of your financial plan, whether it's just up in your head or it's something actually written out on paper, so we can help you learn how to retire the job while keeping the paycheck. All you got to do is pick up the phone device and call us at 336-391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. And we would love to sit down with you and see how we can be of help to you in planning for retirement. Now, we asked a trivia question on the other side of the break there. So thank you for sticking around. And let's see who out there knew the answer to this. Let's stump Doug time. Doug, on January 10th, which uh, 1920, which was 101 years ago, this predecessor to the United Nations was first assembled. This is a little bit before your time, just a few years One before. One or two years before me. A few years before your time, but I'm sure you heard your parents or your grandparents talking about it. What was the name of that predecessor to the United Nations? Wasn't it the League of Nations? Bingo. Listen to that, folks. Doug yeah. knows it again. It's getting harder and harder to stump this guy. And uh, pat yourselves on the back out there if you knew that as well. This was the first international organization developed to maintaining world peace. Uh, it came about actually as a covenant of the Treaty of Versailles at the end of World War One. And Doug, you want to take a guess as to how long the uh, League of Nations lasted? Probably to World War II. <laughs> lasted until April 20th, 1946. Okay. Now, here's a little known fact. In 1919, Woodrow Wilson won the Nobel Prize for his role in architecting it. Really? There you go. Hmm. So that's it. Well, good job, Doug. You got it. Now, for the second segment, folks, we are going to talk about five important retirement statistics worth understanding. So I like this. I like what we've come up here with, Doug. Now, sometimes numbers, figures, stats can go in one ear and out the other. I know with a lot of people they do. But for this segment, we're going to break down the five important statistics that are actually worth taking a moment to understand. They're going to wow you, I think, some of these. They're going to underscore some very real problems that people face when they are preparing for retirement. And we're going to explore those problems and talk about possible solutions. So, Doug, the first one here is first uh, important retirement statistic worth understanding. Only 17% of American workers describe themselves as very confident that they will have enough money in retirement. So, you know, they get asked, are you un are you confident, very confident, extremely confident, not confident? And 17% said they, they are very confident that they will have enough money in retirement. That means if I do the math quickly in my head, that there is about 83% out there who are not very confident that they have enough money for retirement. Yeah, you know, that sounds right to me because this is based on our experience with, with folks coming into the office. I'd say a very small percentage are are confident that, that that they're ready and they've got the money and, and they're okay. Most people aren't that way. And what has always just I don't know given me you know giggles is when we can tell them, yeah, you're good. You're, you're good to retire. You can retire today if you wanted to. Yeah, one of the uh, when we sit down with you folks when you come in and when we start the planning process with you, our first meeting is generally a lot of questions that we ask so that we can gather all the information we need to about you. And one of the questions we ask is we want you to rate a number of different subjects on there, how important they are for you to for us to address and get to the bottom of. And one of those questions is the possibility of outliving your money. And for I would say about 
75% or so of the people come in, they rank that one rated right right at a 10, you know, on a one through 10 scale saying, yeah, I want to make sure I've got enough money for retirement. There's a few people out there who that's not their main concern. They want to learn how to properly align their accounts so they're paying as little taxes that they have to. Others want to talk a little bit more about estate planning or uh, helping their um, their spouse out should they pass suddenly. There's a lot of different uh, goals and objectives people might have when, when wanting to meet with us. But uh, for most of them, they do want to know, have an understanding that they will not outlive their money. And so uh, 17%, folks, ask yourself, are you in that 17% category that you feel pretty confident or very confident that you have enough money to live out your retirement, that you that your money will outlast you. If you don't, then you might want to take heed of our offer of giving us a call at 336-391-3409 and uh, sitting down for a no-cost, no-obligation um, meeting with us and see if we can help you answer that question. Well, you know, another good way for them to start that exercise is uh, this Thursday night. You know, Thursday night we're doing a taxes workshop. You might say, well, what's that got to do with retirement? Well, you're going to pay taxes in retirement. You know, we've got a new sheriff in D.C. now, and they're going to raise taxes. We'll be talking about some of those plans. And that's going to get you on the road if you come to that workshop to going through our full retirement planning process. And you'll absolutely know the answer. Absolutely know the answer, whether you can retire now, next year, or never. It's all a numbers game, and it's not really a game, but it's all just putting the numbers down and letting them do the talking, and we're going to provide you with all those numbers. So that's February 4th, 6.30. Call us at 336-391-3409. It's right here in the Broy Hill. Okay, very good. The second statistic, uh, retirement statistic worth understanding, is the average 65-year-old woman, so if you're already 65, you have a life expectancy of over 20 more years, between 20 and 21 more years. That means that you're going to live to somewhere around 85. And of course, if you've lived to 70, then that number just goes further out from there. So if you're 65 and you are ready to retire, or maybe have just started retiring, how many years did you think you were needing to save for retirement? If you thought only 5 or 10 or 15, you may have made some grave miscalculations. Yeah, you know, and it uh, kind of dovetails into the next statistic, which says that uh, 16.5% of the country's population is already over 65. So Bryce is right, folks. When you start sitting down and thinking about retirement, you know, yeah, that says uh, this statistic, uh, the average lady is going to live to around 86. We plan well beyond that. You know, our plans carry you out to age 100. And uh, we know people are living longer every single year. Every year there's more folks making it to 100. So you definitely need to plan being in retirement probably as long as you were in the workforce. Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, If you only plan for a few years of retirement or you're just not sure how many years of retirement you plan for, again, letting us run the numbers for you uh, is going that, – that'd be some numbers, that'd be some answers you'd rather know now than later, I think, Doug. Okay, uh, number three. The average retiree will spend $295,000. The average retiree will spend $295,000 on out-of-pocket medical expenses over the course of their retirement. Out-of-pocket. Mm. Out-of-pocket. Means Medicare term. doesn't cover it. The 295000 So uh, this figure, uh, this is more than 80%. It was lower just a few, uh, two or three years ago, but obviously that's going up. But two hundred ninety-five thousand folks. If you think that you've sa- if you've saved four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars for retirement, 
and now we throw this number out at you, well, 300,000 of that or essentially 300,000 of that is going to go to medical expenses, you probably weren't counting on that. Now guess what category of medical expenses this probably is? Give you a hint, long-term care. That's a good hint. Yeah, because that is not covered by, by Medicare. And long-term care is an expensive proposition. You know, right here in our area, a uh, long-term care facility, a decent one's going to average six to seven thousand uh, dollars a month. Now, everybody wants to stay at home, but then that's not cheap either because you got to bring a skilled person in to take care of you there. It's a little cheaper, but not much. But that's where these out-of-pocket numbers are coming from, and that's why Bryce and I are such big proponents of long-term care insurance. Specifically, the asset-based long-term care. Now, folks, you might, when we're talking about long-term care coverage out there, the traditional long-term care coverage is kind of like your car insurance. You, you either use it or you lose it. So if you were paying into the premium every month or every year and you never ended up needing long-term care coverage, well, then yes, that money was, was gone. You don't get it back. But with asset-based long-term care coverage, if as we all like to envision our lives going, uh, we are perfectly healthy up until the last week of our life. We catch an illness and then we pass away and we never needed long-term care coverage. That does not happen to most of us. In that case, if that was to happen, somebody inherits whatever you put into that long-term care uh, coverage as the premium. But that's asset-based and that is a great way to not lose the money. You're not risking it, yet you're still covering it. And Doug, you and I know this from experience, that as carefully as we plan a retirement plan to make sure that somebody's got money left at age 90 or age 100, whatever year means the most to them, the one thing that can derail that is unforeseen healthcare, specifically long-term care costs. Sure enough. And so folks, it's just an extra layer of insurance on making sure that that retirement plan you put together doesn't go off the rails. Okay, so that's number four, and let's go into number five here, Doug. 90% of people over 60 say a written retirement plan is important. Good, I'd agree with them. But only 10% actually have one. Mm -hmm. I believe that statistic, too. And, folks, if you do go through our planning process, you will walk out of here with a written retirement plan. Look, it's just like a roadmap, you know, or your GPS system. You would never take your grandkids down to Disney without having a plan, would you? I mean, just hop in a car and go down there, and you don't know where and you're going to. And wing gonna, it. And wing it. You don't have your tickets. You don't know where you're going to sleep at night. You don't even know where you're going to uh, go eat. That You would never do that. But so many people are working one day, and the next day they're not. They don't have a plan. They don't know where they're going to generate the money from. So our plan, you're going to see it year after year after year. It's your roadmap into retirement. You're going to see exactly how much money you got to draw from each account. You know, Doug, that, when you say that, that reminds me that uh, Joy, our uh, office manager, went down with her family, was it two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Two, now, in 2019, yeah. mm -hmm. went down to Disneyland with her family, and she actually made out an hour-by-hour hour itinerary for the four days that they were down there. And she's kept it. I've asked her to keep this because I want to use it at one of our seminars sometime. Joy I'm planning. is 
thorough. Meticulous. That's right. We are we are indebted to her uh, her services here at the offices. With, I don't know what this place would be like without her. But that's just a four-day trip to Disneyland. And she had a four-page itinerary hour broken down hour by hour. We're not saying you need to have an hour by hour breakdown of your retirement. But for heaven's sakes, if she's going to put those kind of hours into just planning for a four-day trip to Disneyland, you should probably uh, invest some of your time and energy to making sure you've got a sound retirement plan for your retirement. It just she makes had, sense. She had every Every ride, every time they were going to get on the ride, the tickets already bought in advance. It was it was a piece it was of impressive. artwork. It yeah. was impressive. We should put that actually up on the wall. Well, Doug, you have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, thank you for sitting in here, folks, with us and catching us again uh, this weekend. We're going to see the Super Bowl next weekend. Hopefully things will work out the way we want it to there. But uh, everybody, have a great week. And if again, if you want to give us a call, 336-391-3409. We look forward to hearing from you. Take care, Doug. See you guys.